when you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, baby. Are you looking for a podcast that brings you all the latest news and analysis on the silver and black? Carr from under center looks downfield, fires deep, complete. Waller's got it. How about interviews with A-list guests? Just pod, baby. Congrats on 100 episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing, and thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further. You are listening to Just Pod, baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast, part of the Vegas Sports Today podcast network. Henry Ruggs, the speed, touchdown, Carr with another bomb. And now your host, Evan Grote. Raider Nation, let's go. Welcome back to Just Pod, baby, fresh off the bye week, the Raiders heading east on Sunday to take on the New York Giants, and they're going to have to do it again in the face of major adversity. Of course, I am talking about the huge story from this past week involving the fatal car crash, involving an innocent 23-year-old woman and the former Raiders wide receiver Henry Ruggs. You know all about it at this point. Just a heartbreaking, avoidable tragedy which has me saddened on, on so many levels, as well as many, many other people out there. That will be a part of our discussion today. I don't want it to dominate the entire discussion. I do want to try to move on from it, look ahead to what is next for the Raiders. How will they handle this latest obstacle? They do begin a very crucial four-game stretch on the schedule, which I believe will, will tell us a lot about the team. How will they make up for the loss of Henry Ruggs on the field? I know some of you are calling for Mike Mayock to go out and and go after a wide receiver. Odell Beckham is the name we keep hearing. Should he become available? I'm going to tell you I'm not in favor of that move. And I will tell you some of the reasoning why I feel that way a little bit later on. Just a lot to discuss this week. Just Pod Baby is powered by VegasSportsToday.com. Some fresh stories up at the site now. Our guy Scott Gilbranson has a really good piece about the deadly decision by Henry Ruggs. He gives you some of his uh, insight onto that. Mo Moten has a great one out about why he feels Deshaun Jackson is a better option than Odell Beckham for the Raiders, as well as Brevin Honda, another one of the talented writers on the team. He takes a look at what are some realistic options, more in-house options that the Raiders currently have to replace Ruggs' production. And if you are a Golden Knights fan, well, they completed a big trade for our guy out here in Buffalo, New York, Jack Eichel, the former Buffalo Sabres, been traded to the Vegas Golden Knights. So we've got that covered as well. And, of course, big-time prize fight this weekend between Canelo Alvarez and Caleb Plant. So it's it's a one-stop shop at VegasSportsToday.com. Head over there now and check it out. we got you covered on all the different fronts Finally, give me a follow on Twitter at egrope 5 and subscribe to the podcast Just Pod Baby so you always keep up with my latest. I've got a great guest lined up for you also. Longtime Giants beat writer for the New York Post, Paul Schwartz, will chat with us. Paul has covered the team since 1994, so he knows this organization inside and out. He's going to give us some great insight, and I'm really looking forward to the conversation with Paul. But we do begin this evening on a somber note. Um... And, you know, it's something we have to discuss. You heard there on the introduction. You've been hearing it for weeks and weeks now on the introduction, courtesy of 
Ian Eagle on the call, CBS Sports, the bomb to Henry Ruggs, right? Well, that's no longer. We will no longer hear that kind of phrase being called. In fact, I'm going to be, uh, bear with me while I you know, work on getting a new introduction made to the podcast. In the meantime, we'll just continue to use the old one. But um, yeah, horrific tragedy involving Henry Ruggs and his decision to get behind the wheel after a night of drinking. Um, and, and then on top of that, he compounded the, the, the drinking by driving recklessly at unimaginable speeds. Uh, I still can't even wrap my head around the speed that he was traveling at in that residential area, a major, major lapse in judgment. I don't even think that does it justice to call it a, a, a lapse in judgment. It's just the worst kind of mistake you could possibly make and that resulted in the death of a innocent 23-year-old woman and her dog. Um, I mentioned 23 years old, had her whole life in front of her, her whole life. And, and from what I hear, from what I've read, she was not married. She did not have any children, thank God because I think that would make this even worse, in my opinion. But that is someone's daughter. That is someone's sister, cousin, friend. And so, you know, our thoughts and our prayers immediately go out to the family of that poor young woman. It, it, it's it's horrific. And as I said, it could have been avoided. There's just no reason for it. Should have been avoided. Um could have taken an Uber, could have taken a Lyft, could have utilized the the rideshare program that the NFL uh, provides. There's just no excuse for it. So that is one side to this. A human life was lost, and that family will never get their child back, and, and their lives will forever be changed. And then on the other side of this whole event is is Henry Ruggs. And he too is someone's son and brother and cousin and friend. And so as a human being, you, you, you feel for those people as well. As now they have to deal with the fallout of his actions. Their lives are also forever changed as well. But they still have their loved one. That's the big difference. Miraculously, I don't, I don't, how did he survive that? I mean, it's a miracle that he survived that accident. But he will pay the ultimate price now. And his career is over, in my opinion. I don't know if he will, I mean, you know, he's going to spend a number of years in jail. I don't know how many. Will If it's a, a small amount of years and, and he should get out and have some years remaining in his career, will a team want to take a chance on him? I don't know. But... Um, the way I see it, his career is over, and this will haunt him for the remainder of his life. And he was just getting started. It's it's sad. He was just getting started. He Who knows where his NFL career could have taken him, the money that could have been made to provide for his family. It's all lost. All lost. And for me, you know, I'm, a, I'm especially saddened for his daughter. And, uh, you know, three years old, three years old. I have two children of my own, ages five and seven. That child will now grow up in some of the most important years of her, her young life, those formative years, without her father there by her side. So that, that just breaks my heart as a, as a father myself. Now, we could go on and on with this for a long time. You know, I'm sure you guys out there are, are kind of sick and tired of hearing about it by now. Um, 
as as well as I am. You know, I don't even really want to didn't really want to bring it up, but it's something that we just we had to address, and it's just an awful story, and and I'm just sad for everyone involved. So I I, I kind of want to shift gears now and get into the conversation of, you know, how does this team respond? You know, we heard from Coach Coach Passaccia and Derek Carr on Wednesday, and I thought they were both excellent with their comments. I cannot imagine how difficult of a position. That must be to sit up there and address those questions with all the emotions that must be running through their body. Um, I, I just commend them. And I, I, I put out a tweet the other night in support of Derek Carr. Just, just, I have gained so much more respect for him over the course of the last month for the way that he has dealt with, with the adversity of losing his head coach, John Gruden, with now losing... Uh, you know, a friend of his, um, a good player on the team, Henry Ruggs. I've just, I mean, we should all commend Derek Carr for, um, you know, his leadership and, and his ability just to, you know, express how he feels. It, it can't be easy, and I don't envy him at all for that. Um, and, you know, I, w- I was starting to think about how the team responds here. How, how does the team move on? And I, I and this may sound strange, but in my opinion, I think that they're going to be okay mentally. Mentally, I think they're going to be okay. Now, will they be able to fill Henry Ruggs' shoes on the field, his production? You know, that's that's a different topic, and I will touch on that in a, in a moment here. But from a mental standpoint, I don't expect there to be a lot of lapses. I just don't see it. Um, and the reason why I feel that way is because they have just gone through uh, a situation where they, they lost their head coach. And they responded to that very, very well. Uh, it, it's kind of like they've been there, done that, right? They've experienced lost. They, they've had to uh, compartmentalize, you know, losing a coach and then playing football. Well, now they have to do it again. And because I think that they've gone down that road before, they're going to be... They're, they're more prepared for it now that it's happened a second time. Now, obviously, the circumstances are much different in this situation with rugs, but I think they've kind of been hardened mentally from what they've had to already experience earlier in the season, and, and I hope that makes sense to you, but that's just how I feel. Now, as far as on the field goes, Ruggs was obviously playing well for this team, and it was a big part of the success in offense, but that being said, I'm not panicking. I am not hitting the panic button. I think some people out there are. I I do feel that way. You know, on social media, I I do a lot of reading and it it sounds like some people are, 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 are think this is a desperation time here. I don't see it that way. I still think there's plenty of weapons. You, you, you certainly can't replace the deep speed and the home run play ability that rugs brought to the table. But, you know, putting that aside, he was not a real, uh, high volume guy as as far as targets are concerned you know Derek Carr likes to spread the ball around and and I think he will still be able to do that despite not having rugs I'm excited to see Brian Edwards what he can do with a larger role now and he you know he has shown the ability to make big plays don't forget he is averaging 19.2 yards per reception that's third in the NFL he was just behind Henry Ruggs in that category. Is he ex- is he as explosive as Henry Ruggs? No, of course not. He's not as explosive as Ruggs. 
But let, let's see what Brian Edwards can do when he's forced to step up and he's given a larger role. I'm excited for it. We know what Hunter Renfro and we know what Waller bring to the table. Now, Waller wasn't seeing as many targets lately and his production has dipped, but we know he can handle more work and, and you know, I expect him to, to get more work. How about Foster Morrow? Right? He had the breakout game against the Eagles. I hope we see more of it. I hope Olsen keeps him involved, keeps calling his number. Let's get Waller and, and Morrow on the field together with Renfro and Edwards. I mean, I've seen worse situations. I have seen worse situations where quarterbacks made it work. I've seen Derek Carr in far worse situations where he, he was able to find some level of, of success. If you listen to Coach, Coach B on Wednesday, it sounds like Zay Jones... He's going to have a, a golden opportunity here to step in as the the, the, the Z receiver. And, and listen, you know, I've joked in the past as well about Gruden's love for, for Zay Jones and, and why it never resulted in, in, in more playing time for him. But he's going to have a chance now. He's going to have a chance to play a lot and, and to make a difference. He's played well in, in a very limited role this year. He, he's also made some big plays. He's also averaging 19.2 yards Per reception, you know, so I, I, I think, you know, I'm excited for him too and, and to see what he can do. He's made some big plays this year and, and I think what should give you, the fans, the most confidence is that Derek Carr fully trusts the guy. If you listen to Derek Carr talk about Zay Jones, I mean, that's got to get you excited. The chemistry is there. So I, I'm looking forward to that and you combine those four guys, those five names with Kenyon Drake and the way he's played lately, you know, he can be utilized more in the passing game as well. That's why they brought him in. That's what we heard. So I just don't feel the cupboards are, are empty here. You know, is there a lack of depth? Yes, absolutely. There's a lack of depth. There's only three starters or excuse me, three active wideouts right now on the roster. Practice squad players. There's a few names there, including guys like DJ Turner, Dylan Stoner, Javon Wims, they added Marcel Aitman this week to the practice squad as well. You know, maybe they go out there and sign a free agent. Probably going to have to do that at some point. Now there's a couple names out there. Deshaun Jackson, he's one of those names. He was let go by the Rams. I think he makes a lot of sense. John Brown. I mean, listen, I'm not I'm not sitting here trying to sell you John Brown. He was cut by the team or released by the team earlier in the season. He was then signed by, I believe it was Denver. And he was let go by Denver. So, you know, there's there's some some warts there, of course. But he's a guy who spent time with the Raiders in camp. And, uh, you know, from a skill set standpoint, they offer some of that speed that was lost with Ruggs. So if you're looking to add a guy who can do some of the same things, maybe not as well, but th- those are two guys that I think you sh- that you, the Raiders should be considering at this point. There's not a lot of guys out there right now. I was looking at the list of free agents. There's not a there's not a lot of big time names there. So, um, you know, that's 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 what you're looking at. And of course, I do have to address this. There's there's um, another name out there that I think many fans would love to see don the silver and black, and that is Odell Beckham Jr. And and you know I've been pretty vocal on Twitter if you follow me about my my feelings with Odell Beckham. He has soured now his his time with the Cleveland Browns. It looks like he could 
be released any day now. That pretty much Kevin Stefanski pretty much told him you're you're done. You're no longer a part of this team going forward. So um, not a good sign there. Uh, he could be released the way things are playing out. He would have to go through the waiver process, I believe. And if you're familiar with that process, it's based on current standing. So you know Raiders five and two, one of the one of the better records in the league. They would have to wait until you know towards the bottom of the list to, to get a, a chance to uh, put a claim in on him. If he goes unclaimed, he then goes to free agency and he's he's available to sign with whatever team he wants. Now, before any of you out there listening get too excited, I'm going to be completely honest with you. Those of you who don't follow me on Twitter and did not see some of the things that I was saying yesterday, I would be extremely disappointed with Mike Mayock if he went after Odell Beckham. And I've got several reasons for it. I'll lay them out there for you right now. Number one, in my opinion, the team has been through enough drama this year. We, we've heard so much about the great chemistry in the locker room, how strong the brotherhood is with this team. Why would you want to potentially jeopardize that? Why? Why would you want to bring in a guy with a track record of baggage? I don't see why that would make any sense with this team. The second thing is, number two, they went down this road with, with adding an outspoken wide receiver, Antonio Brown, just a couple years ago. And how'd that play out? Not well. Not well at all. And I'm going to pat myself on the back right now. And I'm going to say I told you so. I I was not on board with that. I didn't think it was a good idea either. Third, Odell Beckham, he's playing hurt right now. He's playing hurt. He's got two significantly injured shoulders. He's going to need surgery, I believe is what they're saying after the surgery. You know, he's he's showing some toughness by playing through those injuries. So, you know, kudos to him for that. But, you know, would he even be available for the remainder of the season? You know, it could be one hard hit or one fall the wrong way and he could be done. So to me, that that's red flags. And speaking of availability, it's been a major problem with him. He's missed 27 games since the 2017 season. He's already missed two games this year. He's just, he he's not, you know, he's not the same guy. Okay, and w- which brings me to my next point. What does he have left? This is not the same Odell Beckham from 2015 and 2016. That all-pro all Odell. That's not, this is not the guy you're getting. Okay, and then the final part to this is the financial obligation that the team would have to commit to if you want to claim him off waivers. $8 million for the remainder of the season, okay, if you put a claim, if you claim him. And then next year and in 2023, that number jumps up to $13.75 million. So even for a one-year rental, which is what a lot of people are saying, oh, grab him for one year, Raiders are in win now. I don't, it's not a good idea. I, I don't see it. I'd much rather have a Deshaun Jackson or a John Brown. Do they have the upside of an Odell? Probably not. Probably not. But you won't get the headaches. You won't get the baggage. You won't get the drama that Odell Beckham brings to the team. So so it, it comes down to this, Raider Nation. It comes down to this. If you feel the upside is worth the potential distraction, then you'd probably like to see this happen if he gets released. You'd probably like to see it happen. But let me ask you this. What happens when Derek Carr is out there spreading the ball around to all his receivers like he does? Because that is what Carr does. Carr is not going to zero in on one guy. He is not going to force feed somebody. He doesn't do that. 
What's Odell going to say when he's only getting five targets a game, six targets a game, and he's not the focal point of the offense because Darren Waller is? What's going to happen then? Because he's got a track record of running his mouth. Okay, He's a me guy, and he's not a we guy. So if it was me calling the shots, no thanks. I'm taking a hard pass, and that's my two cents on Odell Beckham. Let me know if you, you agree with me. Hit me up. DM me. Uh, reach out to me on the website, justpodbaby.com. Let me know what you think. All right, I'm going to step aside for a moment. When I return, we're going to dive into the New York Giants, 2-6 and six right now, dealing with some COVID issues from what I read, some injuries on the offense. It's been a tough season for the cornerback, uh, Daniel Jones. All of that coming up, plus my conversation with Giants beat writer for the New York Post, Paul Schwartz. You are listening to Just Pod Baby, part of the Vegas Sports Today podcast network. You're listening to Just Pod, baby. Part of the Vegas Sports Today podcast network. Let's go! And now, back to your host, Evan Grote. And welcome back to Just Pod, baby. Part of the Vegas Sports Today podcast network as we gear up for the week nine matchup between the Las Vegas Raiders and the New York Giants. The Giants are struggling right now at 2-6. and six. They lost a close game on Monday Night Football last week to the Kansas City Chiefs. Very easily could have won that game. And what I want to do now is go out to the phone lines and welcome in our guest this week, New York Giants beat writer from the New York Post, Paul Schwartz. Happy to have you on with us, Paul. How are you? And welcome to Just Pod Baby. Thanks, Evan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's um, Giants have a bye after this. I know the Raiders are coming off a bye. So, you know, teams always like to win going into the bye. Uh, the Giants have a hard time winning before, after, during byes. So, um, you know, they'd like to get at least one here to make them feel a little better about themselves heading into their break. Yeah, yeah. And traditionally, the Raiders have struggled coming off the bye. So we'll see which team can, can kind of get right here uh, this week. Paul, it's been a hectic week. Uh, hectic 48 hours for the Giants, I should say, a hectic week for the Raiders. Uh, but I want to focus on the Giants here with you. Uh, they've had some some COVID issues. They had a bit of a scare a couple of days ago. I saw Adam Schefter tweeted out that uh, Thursday the Giants canceled in-person team meetings for players and, and shifted uh, to virtual meetings. They had a bunch of people, uh, players included within the organization, test positive on Wednesday, and, and and then they were retested, and some came back negative. So what can you tell us? What is the latest on that situation, and, and how could it affect the game on Sunday? Well, yes, Adam Schefter tweeted that, and so did I. So he's not the only one who tweeted that. Um, a lot of people tweeted it. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's really been a case right now, Evan, of, um, you know, the lab that they use for these rapid tests is spitting out a lot of false positives. They had 13 positive tests on Tuesday. Don't forget, they played in Kansas City Monday night, lost, came back. Uh, Tuesday, they had a battery of tests. They got 13 positives. So they, you know, braced for this, this you know, major outbreak, but 12 of them were false positives. The only one that was a positive upon um retesting with the, um, you know, not the rapid test was their running backs coach, Burton Burns. So he is away from the team. And then, uh, so everyone got retested. When I got to the facility on Wednesday, uh, when I usually do, um, I usually have to get tested on Wednesday. There's a testing trailer in the media parking lot and it's usually nobody there. And uh, except for, you know, a few guys, when I went, I saw line of people, uh, John Mara, the owner, Dave Gettleman, the general manager, I said, oh, something's up here. So, you know, these all the all these battery of tests had to be done because of these positives, which turned out to be false positives. There were three more positives on Thursday. Saquon Barkley was one of them. 
Uh, I believe he's been now uh, considered a false positive. So, yeah, they had to go back to the bad old days of 2020 with masks and um, in, in the facility and uh, remote meetings. And anyone who you know was pending a, a positive test couldn't practice. So, um, yeah, I mean, um, I, I think they're going to get out of it um, OK without a lot of loss of players. But um, it's certainly not the way you want to go into a game. You know, really um, a lot like last year with all these protocols kind of uh, jumping into effect. Yeah. Now you mentioned Saquon Barkley, and I do want to ask you about him. Um, it sounds like he's unlikely to play regardless whether he's COVID positive or not due to the ankle injury that's, I believe, kept him out the previous three games. Um, I, I want to look at the big picture here with Saquon. He, you know, he's such a, a special talent, but he's missed he's missed a lot of time here in, in each of the you know last three seasons. Do you do you get the sense that there is some concern within the organization about the long term health of Saquon? Oh, it's not a sense. They do have uh, concern about the long term health of Saquon. I mean, the guy's twenty four years old. He had a um, offensive rookie of the year first year. He was great. 1,300 rushing yards, 91 catches, you know, 15 total touchdowns. So he was great. He was everything they wanted him to be as a rookie. His second year, he gained 1,000 yards, but he missed time with a uh, high ankle sprain. And then last year, he in his second game, he tore his ACL. You know, so that put him on the shelf for a whole year. Came back this year slowly, got him on the field slowly. Against the Chiefs, uh, I'm sorry, against the um, uh, Saints in New Orleans three weeks ago, he was finally looked like, kind of what Saquon Barkley supposed to look like. He had like a 50-yard catch and run. He scored a touchdown uh, rushing. He scored a touchdown receiving. They finally get Saquon back. And then uh, the next week, he turns his ankle on a, on a strange play in Dallas. And he, we haven't seen him since. So, yeah, I don't think he was going to play this week anyway. He had a chance, but without practicing Wednesday and Thursday because of these COVID protocols, you know, Joe Judge basically said it's not going to happen. Uh, so, sure. I mean, you know, he's the second pick in the draft. And uh, you can debate the um, the, the the wise, um, you know, the the, uh, the smartness of, of of drafting of running back number two. That's fine. It's a debate, but I think Saquon, you know, was heading towards becoming a great player, and um, yeah, I mean, he has to stay on the field. Now, after the bye week, he'll have eight games. Right? This this is this is a long season. It's a 17 game season. He will have eight games. He should be healthy, and. It, he has to show he can stay healthy and then he can be a good player and then he can be a great player. And then they have to decide, you know, they got a fifth year option with him, which is no problem. Look, everyone thought at this point, they were going to be talking about long-term extensions, making him the highest paid running back, you know, matching Christian McCaffrey or bettering him. That's just not going to happen right now because there is no basis for giving him a long-term contract. The giants know it. Saquon's people have to know it because what would you be negotiating on, right? A season where he has five or 600 yards, you know, you want to pay him for that? Fine, but it's not going to be the money he wants. So he's going to have to prove it. He's going to have to prove it, uh, you know, the, the last eight games this year and, um, you know, hopefully a lot of games in 2022. Yeah, and, you know, the Raiders actually find themselves in in, in kind of a similar situation with their first-round pick running back from a couple of years ago, Josh Jacobs, who has had some injuries of of his own and, and obviously not, not a number two overall pick, but still round one pick. And, it, you know, it raises that question that has been has been ongoing is, you know, is it worth selecting a running back in round one? Now, Paul Schwartz is our guest this week, Giants beat writer for the New York Post, kind enough to give us a few minutes of his time this evening. And, and Paul, I was reading your story 
uh, in the New York Post from earlier in the week following the loss to the Chiefs on Monday Night Football. And, and you say the Giants aren't making progress. You, you, you go on to say that in most cases, going on the road and losing a closely contested game to a top team can be construed as a meaningful loss, but not with this Giants team. You actually said that they get no benefit of the doubt. So can you explain to us what you mean by that? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I mean, last year the Giants were six and ten. The first year for Joe Judge, they were one and seven uh, at midpoint, and then they went um, five and three afterwards. So that is progress, right? That is tangible progress. They got better in the second half. This year, they, you know, lose their first three games. Then they win a game. Then they lose their last next three games. Um, in this game, they had some bad penalties and things like that. In week two. At Washington, they lose 30 to 29 on a on a, um, a missed field goal by Washington. Uh, the Giants, Dexter Lawrence, gets called for being offside on the field goal. They re-kick it and they kick the game winner at the buzzer. Um, and then in Kansas City, they have the same thing. Oh, Shane Zimenez, uh, outside linebacker, they have an interception of, of Patrick Mahomes, 17-17. The interception comes already in field goal range. They can win that game. O'Shane Zimenez is called for being offside. So they had tremendous penalty problems in this game in week two. Same thing. Where is the progress? Where are the things that Joe Judge is implementing that's saying it's a young team, we're getting better, we're fixing this? They they you know, it's 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 like construction, right? You fix a a a, a crack in the wall, you expect it to be fixed. You don't expect it to, to leak again, and then if that starts being fixed, then there's another leak and that starts, you know, another crack. That starts leaking again. You know, I don't see anything the Giants can look at now and say, we do this well. You know, we do this well. We can hang our hat in this. Uh, they've had tremendous injury problems. That has to be addressed, especially on offense. But, um, you know, this past week was their best defensive performance of the year, really. Now, they gave up three points to the Panthers, uh, you know, the week before. That was Sam Darnold. That was, I, I suppose, their best defensive performance but giving the circumstances against Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Kelsey it was a darn good effort last week but that has not been there the defense has not been ravaged by injuries and Patrick Rand the defensive coordinator has not put a, a scheme together week by week that was effective enough so you know I just don't see where the Giants can say here are five things we're doing better now than we were last year or in week two this year it's just not there that's interesting you, you you mentioned that because that is one of the things I had down in here in my notes is I wanted to I wanted you to identify for me because you know I I haven't watched the Giants play a ton this year but I I've, I've I've seen them a couple of times and I was looking through some numbers and pro football focus getting some grades and whatnot and you know I had a tough time identifying a strength of this team so I was going to ask you what you thought their strength was and in contrast to that what is the area that they have struggled the most in that you think could be exposed here versus the Raiders well, their offensive line has been a problem for years. Uh, you know, they thought they had a, a fairly cohesive offensive line going into the year. Their starting center, Nick Gates, got, you know, you know a terrible uh, leg injury. He was out in week two. Their starting left guard, Shane Lemieux, played one game, knee injury. He's done. So they had virtually no depth on the offensive line. So when two starters go out, it's a problem. Um, Andrew Thomas, the uh, number four pick in the draft last year, had an up-and-down rookie year, was playing tremendous this year. He was playing like the number four pick in the draft. 
he gets a foot injury. He's on IR. He has to miss three games. That further cuts into their depth. So um, offensive line is certainly not something, you know, you, you'll see. I mean, I'll be shocked if they run the ball really well with Devontae Booker going against the Raiders. It's just not something they can really rely on. Forces too much uh, uh, pressure on Daniel Jones. What they should be, Evan, what they should be is a potent passing attack because they can pass protect okay, not great, but with Kenny Galladay, who they spent a lot of money for, Saquon Barkley, if he's healthy, uh, Kadarius Toney, who started slowly but showed in Dallas he can be a special receiver, Sterling Shepard's a quality receiver, Darius Slayton's a quality receiver. They had weapons. Evan Ingram is a disappointing first-round pick, but he's talented at tight end. They signed Kyle Rudolph. He's got 40 red zone touchdowns in his career. That's what they needed. That group, they figured, would be very dynamic. They needed to add explosion to a team that only averaged 17.5 points a game last year. That has just not happened. We saw a glimpse in, in New Orleans, and that's it. The guys have been hurt way too often. So that's what they should be. And long-winded answer, their defense should be better than it is. That's all there is to it. Their defense had uh, a lot of success last year. It's virtually the same group. Their defensive backfield, Logan Ryan, Dory Jackson, Xavier McKinney, James Bradbury, Julian Love uh, should be quality. Those are quality players. It just hasn't been in sync this year. Uh, it was good last week, but it has not been in sync this year. So um, that's the problem. I mean, the areas that we thought they would struggle in, they're struggling in. And areas that we thought they're probably pretty good at, they also have been struggling in. Hence, two and six. Again, Paul Schwartz from the New York Post joining us on the line. Uh, what do you make of Daniel Jones? I mean, we, 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 you just touched on all of the injuries to the weapons uh, you know, on offense. I, I think the Giants brass was hoping this would be the year where they could get a true evaluation on him and figure out, is he the quarterback of the future? But what have you seen from Jones despite the injuries around him? Well, um, it's, it's, um, it's a mixed bag. But what I wrote um, last week in the New York Post is, you know, is Daniel Jones a franchise quarterback? You know, there's no real definition of what that is. But what we think that means, no, you can't say that yet. I think what Daniel Jones has shown right now is he deserves to be their quarterback in 2022. You know, I, I think if you go on that wheel where, okay, now we need a new quarterback. They, they'll have two picks in the first round next year, their own pick and the Bears' first round pick. Those can be two top 10 picks, right? The way these season is going. That's the kind of draft capital you can use to really move up and get a quarterback in the year that most people think is not a great year for quarterbacks. So I, I don't think you get on that wheel again. Daniel Jones has shown enough. He is one of the better athletes at quarterback in the league. Uh, you know, a big six foot five, 230 pound guy from Duke. You don't really think that's, that's the play there, but he can run. He can run really fast. Uh, he can scramble. They have designed runs for him. So he is, one of the better athletes on the field most weeks. Uh, he can throw. He's tough. He's smart. Uh, is he instinctive enough and special? No, not yet. Maybe never. But uh, you can win with him. Look, I, I covered Eli Manning for 16 years, and there were times he was special, and there were times he was not special, and they were able to win two Super Bowls, you know, navigating around Eli's strengths and weaknesses and having a really good defense. Um, so, and a good offensive line and a good running game. Certainly in 2007, they had a really good running game. So, uh, Daniel Jones is, is a, is an ascending quarterback. Will he get to the mountaintop? Probably not, but I think you build around him and you don't get on that wheel where every few years you just hyperventilate and get a new quarterback. They drafted him 
high in the draft. I think he gets another year. Uh, Paul, before I let you run, I, I have to ask you about a former New York Giant. Of course, his name has is back in the news for for all the wrong reasons, and I'm talking about Odell Beckham Jr. It looks like he's worn out his welcome in Cleveland, and you know there's been some rumblings out there on social media that the Raiders, who all of a sudden have a need at wide receiver, could be interested should Beckham be released uh, by the Browns. So I'm curious to get your opinion on Beckham, Beckham having covered him for five seasons with the Giants. Should Raider fans be careful what they wish for? Um, you know, I have a lot of opinions on Odell Beckham, actually. Um, I would have maybe more opinions if I could follow him on Twitter, but he unfollowed me. Um, actually, his mother, I think, was running his account, and she unfollowed me for, for no good reason. So that is what Odell Beckham is. You get a lot of baggage with him. I don't think he's a dirtbag. I don't think he's a bad guy. Um, he was a great receiver at times for the Giants. Not good. Great. Uh, game-breaking receiver. Uh on his way to setting all kinds of franchise records, he can be an absolute pain in the butt. Uh, now, having said that, I think the overlying issue with Odell Beckham Jr. is, is he got hurt. He got hurt. He tore up his knee, and then he got hurt again. Then he had a, uh, you know, an abdomen problem. You know, he can't stay on the field. And at 28 years old, he does not have that dynamic burst that he used to have. So that is the thing. You're not getting Odell Beckham, who was a great player for the Giants. Um, I, he has to be better than this, right? He has to be better than a guy who just can't get open or, or, or can't get any passes thrown to him. The thing was, I heard, you know, Odell Beckham signed a huge contract with the Giants and then went on went on ESPN and when asked if, you know, do the Giants have a quarterback problem with Eli Manning, did not say no, okay? And that just ticked the Giants' ownership off to, you know, nobody's business. They were really ticked off at that. And, you know, Odell kind of, you know, Odell reminds me of the guy who, you know the kid who's you know who's in who's in the um, in the in the barn playing with matches, and then runs away, and then you know the next day the barn is 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 burnt to the ground, and he's like, I didn't like the matches, you know. I mean, I didn't do anything. I mean, he's, I mean th- th- that stuff that he pulled after LSU won the national championship was appalling, you know. Where he, he he's he's basically put it this way. He he's not really welcome back in the Giants facility. Not that people don't like him there because. He was a popular guy, but the way it ended, he can't really, you know, it's not that kind of relationship. He, for, he When all we heard was Baker Mayfield's his guy, uh, Jarvis Landry's his best friend. It's going to be a perfect situation for him, and it was a disaster. So he won't be welcome in Cleveland anymore, right? And his alma mater, LSU, has kind of banned him from the program because of the stunts he pulled. So the next team has to take this all, and they better have a very strong quarterback, a very strong head coach, and they better have a very strong locker room that when Odell walks into it, they said they will say to him, look, you're not the star. The team's the star. you got to come in and do your job and shut up. I don't know if Odell can do that because it's always about Odell. Yep, absolutely. Uh, I, I appreciate your time tonight, Paul. I appreciate the insight on the, the Giants and Odell Beckham. Uh, it was great talking to you. Keep up all the great work and enjoy the game on Sunday. Okay, thanks for having me. All right, that was uh, Paul Schwartz, longtime beat writer for the Giants. Did a great job for us, gave us some good information there. And the way I see this game playing out, it's like this. This is a game the Raiders should win, despite having to go on the road, cross-country, even with the adversity that's currently going on with this team, the Raiders are the better team. They're the more talented team. They're the healthier team. Now, we've seen the East Coast trips gone wrong before. 
but I, I do expect this team to respond. Uh, I think they're 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 as close as they possibly could be. I think this is going to bring them even more uh, closer than they were. They're going to rally around each other. This group is galvanized. They're going to use all the emotion from the week, and they're going to go out there and put on a good performance and, and come out with the victory. That's the way I see it playing out. But that is going to do it for this week. Uh, Please subscribe to the podcast. Leave me a positive review and a rating if you don't mind. I hope everyone enjoys the weekend, and, and let's hope that we have another win to discuss next week here on the podcast. Until then, though, I am your host, Evan Grote. Take care, everybody, and as always, just win, baby.